So I thought to give a reading this evening. This is from the Udana, the 10th Sutta of the third chapter, which is these Udana means utterances, so it's quite short um, kind of um, discourses, hardly discourses, but more like utterances the Buddha gave. And this is one that he, he gave immediately after his enlightenment. So he sat, the Lord sat cross-legged for seven days experiencing the bliss of liberation. Then at the end of these seven days the Lord emerged from that concentration and examined the world with the Buddha eye. While examining the world with the Buddha eye, the Lord saw beings tormented by various torments and consumed by various feverish longings born of passion, hate and delusion. And on realising its significance, the Lord uttered on that occasion this inspired utterance. This world is subject to torment, afflicted by contact, it causes a disease self. For however it is conceived, it is ever otherwise than that. Becoming something other, the world is held by being, is afflicted by being, yet delights in being. But what it delights in brings fear, and what it fears is suffering. Now this holy life is lived in order to abandon being. Whatever recluses and Brahmins have said that freedom from being comes about through some kind of being, None of them, I say, are freed from being. Whatever recluses and Brahmins have said that escape from being comes around through non-being, none of them, I say, have escaped from being. This suffering arises dependent upon clinging. With the ending of all grasping, no suffering is produced. Look at the people in the world afflicted by ignorance, come into being, delighted in being, not freed. Whatever forms of being exist, in any way, anywhere, all these forms of being are impermanent, subject to suffering, of a nature to change. On seeing this as it actually is, with perfect wisdom, the craving for being is abandoned. Yet one does not delight in non-being. Nibbana is total dispassion and cessation with the complete destruction of craving. Bhikkhu whose cravings are extinguished by not grasping has no renewal of being. Mara is vanquished. The battle is won. The stable one has passed beyond all forms of being. So this is um, from the language, of course, is a little cryptic, ordinary usage. But the sense of being or becoming, bawa, is this, uh, you might say it's the very sense of having a form, which is much more than just a physical form, but also, you know, personality form. It's when you can feel yourself, you know, kind of, firming up around something, you become something, you become, you have a happy feeling, so you become that happiness. For that while you kind of have the happy body of happiness as your dwelling, and then or maybe you have the pain or discomfort, and that feels, and there's a grasping of that, and you become that. Or you have a kind of a, an idea in the mind, and it's interesting, and it fills and you become that or it's un- unpleasant worry or doubt and it, you shape, something shapes you in that sense these are not physical shapes, these are more like psychological shapes and you can, sometimes you get the textures of them you feel quite hard or tight or contracted or crushed or small or expansive or bright or fiery or hard or spacious or you know, pleasant, unpleasant, and these are all the 
the forms that we we take, you know, and, and you you look at it's much more in the physical sense of kind of textures and forms that the, the mind and heart take on, and you know it's this whole procession of them. We we become so many things in a day, you know, from being big and small or woozy and shapeless or um, you know convinced and rock hard or mellow and spacious or on fire or damp or you know, you know happy and unhappy and these are all the kind of this whole ongoing pageant called being and it's suffering not so much it's always directly unpleasant but it's it's suffering in the sense that it's it means suffering in this way means something like inconclusive or restless or never really finds a finality. It's never completed. There's always another that one becomes, you know. One fades out of one state of being and becomes something else. This is why it's it's uh, dukkha. It's inconstant. So one is never completely fulfilled or finished in any state of being. There's always another one. So very often this term is being or becoming because it it's a it actually refers to a kind of um you know, dynamic you know, of, of taking form of of forming up around things you know, just kind of noticing how this you know even how this is happening you know. You look at it on a much more like on a psychological, emotional level. How one becomes bristly, or you know, crushed, or you know, exuberant, and suddenly you know, flooding everything, or hard, or small, or lost. And some of those seem to be quite, you know, you can almost hear a, a voice in there sometimes. You know, some of them are kind of little, kind of great outreaching of of uh, delight or love or wanting to you know flare up and touch everything or be with everything and so there's a kind of little reedy whimpering that wants to retract and escape from everything it was pathetic you know. and there's a whole range of of these um, personae that we we seem to get to recognize in ourselves or some of these states of being are almost kind of just functionally, you might say. You know. So when you you know you wake up in the morning, you're a bit, you know, you're in a state of whatever you've been dreaming of. You're kind of slightly more formless, and then when you've got something to function around, so you you, you become a particular function. Yeah, you. Know. Um, and some of them are much more um, troubled. Yeah. Well, we it's much more than as functional as a whole uh, driven quality. You feel propelled into it. You feel yourself suddenly overwhelmed or caught into something, and you find yourself being something. You know, and it's got a compulsive push to it. It's more than just the function of like, you know, I, I've uh, become a body. You know. Suddenly, you know, I have this thing, this physical form. Okay, and then you, you're kind of within that. There's going to be something that's much more driven about, you know, we can always recognize here I am again in my, my um, you know, righteous state or, you know, flaring and righteous, or here I am in my, um, um, you know, depressed state. And you're going to, you can kind of recognize some of these, and you get sometimes you actually recognize it, oh dear, what I have to, and you want to not be. You want to stop being that, you want to just not be anything. So it feels a sense of aversion or distaste for being. And in this sutta, the Buddha is saying, well, if you, you know, either of these identifying with these states of being or identifying with not being you know 
trying to trying to not be anything. <laughs> These are both afflicted. Yeah. So we can we can find ourselves moving in this kind of way whereby, you know, you kind of if it wants to actually become something, it doesn't quite work. Think, oh no, enough, enough, get out, now, stop, stop, then shut it all down. And you want to become that, that that absence. <laughs> You know, avoiding contact or avoiding taking any form, and uh, so so essentially the same. There's a, there's a pattern underneath it all, which is this identifying or grasping. This is what the Buddha is saying. Essentially, it's not even the quality of becoming that's a problem. It's the it's the clinging to it. Becoming, in a way, is a kind of is um, a functional. Um, requirement for that we are in the plane of becoming we are we've been born into this situation where we do become things we become you know we become bodies we become uh, mental states we become um, well these come into being don't they these take form ideas take form um, decisions take form uh, motivation takes form happiness takes form unhappiness takes form yeah. Um, so is this, isn't there? And so you oh, you don't want any of this. But then that's another kind of uh, trying to be somebody who isn't anything. And so in this sutta, the Buddha is saying that that those who think that freedom from becoming arises through becoming something you know so we want to be happy or peaceful or calm or wise or adored or whatever and that, that will give us a feeling of right this is it the ultimate these these beings have not actually understood haven't found it and there are those recluses in Brahmas who said that escape from being comes around through non-being and they haven't got it either. <laughs> and he says, so he says, this suffering arises dependent on clinging. With the ending all grasping, no suffering is produced. Grasping and clinging, I would imagine here are the same word, upadana. Sometimes also it's useful to consider this as feeding on nourishing, being nourished by taking food on that's a good way of looking at it you can, something latches on to state of existence or non-existence and ah, you know we get food from that there's a feeding on it which can be a sense of we find stability in it or moment, some kind of stability in it or we find pleasure in it, those are the um, you know, fundamental foods. So we find some sense of being seemingly stable, which is a very, very powerful uh, instinct in us to find ourselves as being something definite. You know, so that's a very powerful movement for that. Anything that will give us that, we feed upon that. You now, the kind of food is the food of feeling, whereby the happy, bright feeling and we want that one mm. and ideally the two <laughs> stable and happy so and then if we say well you know you know it's about giving up all that so you can be unstable and unhappy is that the aim of Buddhist practice to be kind of chaotic and miserable. Uh, and here it's interesting the way that he concludes this by saying the, the stable one has passed beyond all forms of being. Because the, the truth of the matter is although we seek stability in becoming something, we don't actually find it. We find moment, you know, relative stability maybe. You know, and so the ultimate stability 
is found through uh, relinquishing. There is another element. Grasping and becoming are not absolute truths. They are relative experiences that occur. But they're not some kind of absolute state of what what's here. You know, there's also this the nibbana element, um, the non-feeding, the relinquishment of that. And this is the st- where the stability and called the, the supreme bliss. So, yeah, you know, this is where the, it really is. So when when one uh, this becomes clearer when you uh, the more you cultivate the mind you cultivate letting go you can you begin to get a sense of meditation not so much on a, a particular object although you can use particular objects as ways of of kind of referring to to the texture of the mind if you like. Yeah, so we use breathing or something like that. And you begin to see actually how how is the mind? Is it tense? Is it agitated? Is it jangling? Is it dull? Is it stale? And you use the use a reference point like the breathing to to actually begin to both stabilise and ease that, but also to look into it. You know, to begin to experience mind as much more a uh, almost like um you know, a, a dynamic or a, something that's, that's actually very fluid, and how it, it gets um, hard, tight, uh, trembling, agitated, fiery, flattened. You know, and these are, you can experience these textures, and then you can also experience in those times when we something lets go or there's a release from being in that, from wrangling with that, from identifying with that. The uncontracted mind, the mind just seems to be quite open and, uh, and you know, not taking any form. So you begin to kind of sense this, um, you know, the, the, the quality of non-grasping. And uh, the coarser forms of feeding, one is no longer so interested in. In other words, we're not so longer feeding on uh, particular um, sensations or qualities of, of pleasurability or sense experiences or big ideas or big projects or success or, yeah, you know. These things can be a bit, a bit too violent. You know, the big charge that those can give one. They're powerful food, and they're like you know. And once you begin to meditate, yes, you don't want that because it's it's rather like too to a high voltage. You don't actually want a lot of success, or um, <laughs> not because you want to be a failure, but because that particular charge and rush and and. Uh, and flaring up in the mind is is, uh, is quite difficult to deal with. You know, you actually want to kind of come out of that. Yeah. You don't really want power because it 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 uh, it's an unpleasant texture to the mind. You want something like dispassion becomes much more enjoyable um, experience. <laughs> you know, we're not trying to to make ourselves miserable. Actually, find that the, the subtler Quality, the subtler the texture of the mind gets, the more uh, sustainable it is, and the more um, nourishing it is. It's a better kind of food. And we can recognize that. You know. I'm sure that uh, you know, we all recognize that we've been doing this. Something about the quality of lightness or ease that comes through, you know, 
not being uh, charged up, galvanized, you know, right, wrong, good, bad, just being open. You know that. <laughs> I know that. So, so what goes wrong? <laughs> you know, because you can experience these senses of, oh, this is it, yeah. Well, that's it then, isn't it? That's it, right. And then something happens, you find yourself becoming something again. You know, you get tightens up again, flare up again. And, uh, what are we doing? How am I getting here again? How do I get this kind of grumpy, snarling, tight, agitated, you know, how did it happen again? I was really enjoying that spaciousness. And then I got wound up again. How's that? Because, yeah. of course, the, the, even the subtler kind of food of spaciousness, one starts to feed, there's a feeding upon it and an identification with it and a feeling of, oh, now, now I've got somewhere, you know, I've got to the good bit. <laughs> you know, so one feeds on something more formless, a finer texture of mind. So, and so it's important to recognize that though this is uh, very nourishing and a much finer kind of form of food, it itself is not, you know, it's not an ultimate deliverance. But it's very useful because, it, you know, once you've stepped out of the, the more... Um, coarser and uh, blurring kinds of ways in which we become something where you're really in it and you're really solid and then you rush into the next thing and you crash and then you just basically you know, dodge them cars you know you, you can almost you get a chance to see yourself actually forming and getting into something and being something and then wait a minute what's happening and then oh perhaps letting go of it and recognizing that when one becomes something the kind of karmic instincts that come up the old patterns of, of personality and uh, or even things that don't seem to be personality like you know, these energies come up you know um, fear worry uh, blaming um, you know quite powerful things occurring in there um, karma starts happening, kilesas start, defilements start happening. There's what's called upadi, which means something like the um, the foundations or the the basis for clinging and. Uh, this is rather like that, um, you know, there are, there are certain almost like places that we come into where, where, where clinging takes over. You know, it's rather like if you imagine clinging like a stickiness or the tendency to feed, then, uh, you know, we can come into places where, oh, it's fine, let it go, it's no problem, you know, not stuck on that. And then things shift. And there's a big I am occurs, and suddenly, you know, this is important. <laughs> the hackles rise or whatever it is. You know, it suddenly takes shape, and you've tapped into a bit of uh, of this sticky, sticky territory. You know, um, and it's around things like uh, you know possessions or territory or uh, whatever particular um, you know karmic accumulations there are and it's around so the, the four bases are the karma that is one's sense of volition and action and ability to to, to determine and be in control and make things happen you know so we kind of get galvanized around that we want to be able to do or make or say or 
have things happen or get my way or something like that. When it feels threatened, we can get a bit charged up. And so you find this song in situations where you just really want to do something, just in order to be, have the energy of, here I am doing it, you know, whatever it is, here I am, I'm doing it, you know, that's me. <laughs> whatever it is, you know, it's kind of picking paint off the wall or <laughs> just the sense of being, you know, your fun feeds upon that particular food, the food of, of, of uh, action, of karma. Obvious food is the food of sense, sensuality or sense contact. Find ourselves, you know, challenged by tastes and sights and sounds where you're fairly kind of open and dispassionate and then this sight or sound or taste comes up and, boom, you know, you, you're, you contract, one gets contracted into it. Um, particularly defilements, you know, jealousy, you know, there's a tendency to find something suddenly hovers into the jealousy territory. We find out, you know, a jealousy body rises or our, <laughs> um, you know, resentment body arises. You, know, you suddenly sh- shave up around resentment or jealousy or worry, you know, or resent these kinds of the calaces are, you know. And then also just the basic, the, the five aggregates, the form, physical form, perceptions, consciousness, feeling, mm. volition. Yeah, and, and you know, particularly with the aggregates, the candors, these, 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 these things that we take ourselves as being, if you ever kind of recognize sometimes, you know, when, when you look at your body, like, what is this thing? You know, without aversion, just... How strange to imagine, I, I can actually say, I am one of these things. You look down here, there's a kind of lump of meat with five prongs. That's me? You know, you look down at the body and there's these kind of strange protuberances and tubes and why are you gonna call that me? You know? How can you have an odd thing to be? No, it's you know, it's not bad, it's just strange to to somehow imagine you could kind of call this me. Uh, and other times, you know, you feel very much, hey, this is me. <laughs> When it's in pain, <laughs> or when one is pleased with the appearance, or worried about the appearance, self-conscious about it, oh, this is me, I'm looking good, or I'm putting a bit of weight, or I'm getting bored, or going grey, or teeth are falling out, or something. <laughs> this is me. <laughs> Suddenly, it feels very much one takes on that shape. But sometimes we, we are not in that shape, we don't really, we're not fully seeing ourselves, experiencing ourselves as a body, you know. But that doesn't mean that the tendency is finished. Right now you're on that, not in that particular territory. Then you come back into the body territory and become it. But actually you had to be in it and, and contemplate it as, well, there it is. Mm-hmm. But there. Mm-hmm. Look at this funny thing, and there's this kind of rags dragged round it, and little bit socks hanging off the end of its feet. <laughs> Don't never fits. Kind of floppy hats on top of it. <laughs> it's a bit kind of bizarre phenomenon. <laughs> you know, with our ears and stuff. And have you ever looked at an ear, human ear, <laughs> curious thing stuck on the side of your head? <laughs> funny kind of convoluted twists and shapes in it. <laughs> and yet you see these things so many times, I guess, and, and <laughs> you get used to it. But the point I would make is that it's not through not seeing the body that you get out of experiencing yourself as a body, you know, because you cannot really be aware of it. 
but the latent tendency to, to identify with it isn't finished with not being aware of it. You, you know, your body manifests again in your consciousness, and there you go, oh, wow, this is me. Yeah. So it's really through seeing it, not feeding on it. The feeding on it is a delight or aversion, identification. So, and practice is about getting the sense of that, that the eye of wisdom opening and then beginning to review these um, phenomena to experience, body phenomena, body phenomenon, feeling, you know, pleasure, pain, these lightning volts that run, that we experience, tremendous charges or suffusions rather like lightning or sunrises or rainstorms or rainbows, this kind of flashing of this stuff. You know? If you contemplate you know, the energy of that, how it, it lights everything up or heats things up, you know, and retracts feeling. What is it? And we, you know, we have that kind of gathering around it. Perceptions and impressions, the meanings and values that we attribute to experience, our interpretations of experience, very much become a foundation for where we where we place where we make our decisions from, how we judge and appraise and perceive and recognise something. That's not right, that is right, that's good, that's bad, that's indifferent, that's this way, that way. And then because of that I'll do this or that or you know, so perception and yet what is it? Do any is it constant? Is it is anybody do we have a universal agreement on it? On what's right or wrong, you know, other than in, in quite broad senses, we probably do. But in in what's um, interesting, yeah, or agreeable, polite, uh, humorous, warm-hearted, um, clear, these are things that it's very difficult to actually sense that everybody's there on it. You know, we base so much on that and feel quite frustrated or lost if we can't get it there. Well, take form around perception. We identify, we, we, we feed upon it for our stability and for our sense of value, worth, dignity. And it is changing and shifting and inconstant and, and isolating. And kinds of Contentions and hurt experiences happen around that. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's great when you, you know, you find those occasions when we, few of us actually, we're all together on something. Well, this is it. Finally, we got it. Everybody thinks this is good, great idea, and for a while, it shifts and, and it breaks up, and you think, oh dear. Disappointment. Volition. That do it. That charge that uh, uh, can feel so energized by. And consciousness. We very much find ourselves identifying with the um, process of sensory phenomena occurring. I am this, I am this, I am this. As uh, as I was saying earlier, in the living in in seclusion in the forest, even for just a a few days, you recognize the effect when um, what's coming into consciousness is quite, um, not just minimal, you know, it's dark, not much sound, 
But also, it's it's of a nature to not require any kind of response. The birds don't care whether you notice them or not. They haven't got anything to say. They don't think the forest doesn't want to be sorted out. It doesn't need to be tidied up, cleaned up, fixed. Um, the candle is doing what it does, and you're basically redundant. <laughs> as a as an organizer, fixer, commentator, you can comment on it. You can write ballads about the candle, but it still just keeps doing it, what it's doing, and you know, it gets smaller. Uh-huh. And, right, well, actually, uh, you know, that kind of uh, do it, make it, think it, add to it, proliferate around it, judge it, it's just, it's not, it's not going anywhere. You know, you've done all this. Uh, and it's uh, very empty. We see, uh, and one's sense of one's personal form definitely kind of shifts in those situations. Not so thought patterns stop. The emotional patterns haven't got so much to get going on. Uh, I think this is really. You know, when you interesting, you sense who's here. When the when the function stops, when the um, the talking stops, who's here? When the need to do something stops, who's here? When the being affected by things quiets down, who's here? And so in that. You know, you, sometimes you can feel this sense that something wants to, well, I mean, you know, um, well, do, you know, I should be, a, uh, well, maybe I should not be, but uh, um, <laughs> you know, something to, to cling to. So we meditate, okay, well, maybe I should get into samadhi, do something useful for my time, do that for a while. Okay, that was nice. And uh, and then, particularly when when you have no routine, it's nothing really, no time. You can look at the clock, it's now 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock, it's just numbers. And, you, you know, one gets so used to sort of having some something in the mind, says, okay, well, I better do this so that. And there isn't any so that. So that I can say I've had a good experience, so that I can say uh, I've done something, so that I can say I've achieved something, so that I can feel uh, I've been worthwhile, so that I can have done what. There isn't a so that. <laughs> uh, you know, so perhaps not many people have these experiences, but it's um, again you begin to see this kind of uh, um, drive towards being. Something, you know. and also you can you can witness the process of becoming, and uh, not be take a standpoint on it. There's not aversion to it, or just seeing it as a kind of conditioned process that comes through birth, consciousness in this particular form, the aggregates in this particular form. Like that, but in a, uh, a kind of an awakening. And uh, certainly in uh, situations like that, you one would sit and think, okay, well, I could, um, yeah, I could read something. Well, yeah, you've done that, you know. You know where that goes. A little buzz of ideas and exploration, interest, and yeah, okay, do that. Done that quite a lot actually. Read many, many books in my life. Done that. You know, I could. Uh, well, I mean, I could think something. Yeah, I've done that. Um, uh, I could make myself a sticky drink. Yeah, you know, when you had a sticky drink, you had many sticky drinks. 
you know, that you get a little happy, happy, comfortable glow. <laughs> or I could go to sleep, <laughs> get out of it. You know, we've done that quite a lot. <laughs> and you know, you become that particular shape, that nice cat, that nice woozy, uh, blissful indolence. You know, the, the, let it happen. You know, no longer responsible. I've been through that one, and that that comes and goes, and. You know, you come back again, and here we are again, it's another day, and it hasn't been very conclusive, has it? So, you know, what do you do then? You know, essentially, you just kind of... Something shifts. I think it's very important to to find the, these times when... It's not about, you know, doing something or not doing something, but about being aware of that, that energy, that drive to itch, that... Give me something to feed on, you know, or blot out on, or absorb into. And just be there with that. Reviewing it. Uh, and so, you know, the Buddha is saying, one reviews the world, recognizing all this that has come to be is dependently arisen. Again, it's a kind of clunky phrase, but you need to see how, oh, that's the push towards feeling. Oh, that's that, isn't it? Um, this is a bodily reaction. You know, this is a, a kind of a personal trait, a habit I have. This is a piece of social conditioning. This is, uh, this arises dependent upon some kind of the craving, the hunger for it. And, you know, and, and it actually, you can kind of see this whole process happening, but it's it's quite the place of witnessing that, or the way of witnessing that, is such that it becomes much more momentary. And I think it's uh, valuable to to almost recognise that the clinging. You can almost sense there are places where you where you where that happens. You know, there are particular topics that happens around. You know, we might say that topic of personality, topic of identity, and what that's based upon. You know, where we, we take we find ourselves uh, particular moods or emotions that become very meaningful for us, and they suddenly. We're in that, and something's been triggered. You know, the the the, the past affliction. So something we're in there, and it seems to be a hundred percent. You're in it, and you are it, and you feel helpless and trapped, and and you just start reacting. And even in that, you know, whatever that is whether we come into the kind of righteous state or the fearful state or the depressed state or, you know, whatever it is, almost like sensing, who is this person? Who, who have I become now? You know, who is this? Just to try to sense it. And even where is it? Sometimes it's like it's, it's really, you feel it, enormous charge up in the head. Uh, that's where a lot of, you know, I find myself clinging. Sometimes you get this kind of real... I get a real strength around the, the head, the eyes and the head are quite dense and tight up there. And, you know, the, the losing the whole body. So, it's almost as if the psychological clinging has a, has a, a somatic equivalent. And you might even notice this in in me, <laughs> or, or in other people. You know, it's it, there are obvious cases, isn't it? When it comes very, you know, you see someone who who is quite, um, you know, soft and quiet, and, and they suddenly become very red-faced, charged up, eyes bulging out. You know, and wow, you know, he's suddenly become something else. 
I was talking to somebody last year when I was in Italy, and, and yeah, a very sweet man. And uh, you know, we suddenly the conversation touched into one of his bits of territory, and this person dramatically changed, you know, in a, in a matter of moments. And you could see him actually winding up into it. It touched into it, and he suddenly wind, well, he, he got into the territory, and he started to become more and more in that. And you, he's actually possessed. It was like seeing somebody get possessed by uh, resentment, and the whole physical appearance changed. It was like. You can see how, you know, in in you know classical Buddhist description, always talk about these things of, of yuccas and demons, as if something actually takes over, uh, and you 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 almost acquire a different shape, psychologically, even physically. And I'm sure we can recognise that in, in when it's very powerful in other people, or you see someone who is kind of comfortable and joyful one day and the next day like ashen and sunken and white and attractive. Wow, what happened to her, you know? And you know that in that so you know even in these afflicted states just being able to or be encouraged to, to map it out. Where am I now? I mean, it feels dark, it feels cold, it feels alone, it feels lost, it feels distant. You know, um, I feel closed, I feel flaring, I feel tight, I feel I've got no feet anymore, it's just a head in, in space or a, a heart on fire. You know, and that's that. Uh, uh, you know, so we begin to always recognize what has become as, and then, you know, the moment of recognition, that itself seems to open another part of us that's outside that. Uh, maybe I suddenly start to experience myself from the heart or from the guts even, rather than up in my head. Suddenly, almost experience this person. You know, well, there he is. Look at that. Uh, and the dream finishes. You know, there's a sense of gradually coming, coming out of it, and to come out of that with no big judgments, just the recognition of something that was dependently arisen, stopped arising, has ceased dependent upon clarity or seeing or dispassion not dependent upon fixing it, blaming it judging it even really understanding it but just it's that and you know it's just that, that, that clear specific recognition you can sense a shift in that You know, one of the most challenging things is to be able to meet oneself in these difficult places. Or these, these places where we, we are so um, flooded and compelled and compulsive. To say, meet yourself means just to be able to see it, look, hold the mirror up. And without a judgment, just, there's that. There he is. Being this, isn't that? It's like when you see this body, there it is, I mean, it's all right, but how could you imagine being one of these as something you actually are? And I think one of the most difficult things is to actually have the mirror which doesn't judge or or add a commentary. And to to trust it, rather than trust some some other form of, of, of volition, uh, activity, analysis, perception. Mm. So, just to, to even to attempt to hold the mirror is is that movement out of the grasping, out of feeding on, out of being delighted by, out of being 
averse to into just this is clear clear seeing the uncontracted mind is the uncontracted mind it's open it's spacious uh-huh. the contracted mind is the contracted mind it's tight mm. when it's uncontracted it, it, it seems that there's no great volition or needs or whatever it's like that when it's contracted kinds of volitions and impulses happen but to take a stand on the presence of volition or the absence of it is taking a stand, is identification with some state, some aggregate of being or non-being the stable one where does he or she live? and uh, you know this is the the Buddha's Udana declaration there is this, the constant, the unchanging the, the freed uh, it's the mirror isn't it? the mirror that holds no mirror, reflection on its own mirrors are empty because they're empty, you can put anything in them. It doesn't, you know, whenever you look in a mirror, you see something. Yeah, but the mirror doesn't have anything in it. You see, yes, it does. Every time I look, there's somebody in there. <laughs> yeah, but so, and then I don't, know, I don't really like doing that person funny looking head and eyes look a bit strange and strange thing I'm looking at you know how you know that sense of to be able to look in the mirror and see the mirror rather even than the reflection because surely this is uh, the con- what is constant whatever has, we, has happened to us whatever we've been through there has been that, hasn't there? There's always been something that we may not have really made much of it, and yet everything that's happened has occurred, has moved through that mirror. And everything we've become and not become has moved through that mirror. Everything we've felt, the joys, the sorrows, the crisis, the easy times have been in that mirror. And it's awakening to the mirror is when, when it's no longer feeding on the, the charge, the energy, or the or contracting around these images that appear in it. 